Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. You might already be familiar with it, but I don't think I've ever actually said it on the podcast before. But the intro music to the show, and has been for the past, I don't know, since like 2015, 2016 maybe, it's Lonely Locked Up by The Immediate, Connor O'Brien's former band, off their one and only album In Towers and Clouds, which came out in 2006 and which placed number 33 on the Irish independence list of the 50 greatest Irish albums of all time. The top 50 was counted down in the week leading up to the June bank holiday weekend and the top 10 was revealed that Saturday. The whole list was compiled by John Maher who joins the show today to talk through the whole list, how it was put together, how much time it took and some of the themes that emerged. For example, the lack of choice prize winners on the list, perhaps? Three U2 albums in the top 10? No album from this century in the top 10 either? Three things that jumped out at me, anyway, as I was perusing the list a couple of weeks ago. Indeed, Conor O'Brien's band that followed the immediate, Villagers, of course, are the highest ranked album this century on the list. They're at number 11 with their debut album Becoming a Jackal. Myself and John talk about one or two other things before getting into the list. John was at Body and Soul over the weekend. I was a little bit jealous until I saw that it seemed to be raining almost all weekend. He was there on the Friday night. He got to see the likes of Murder Capital in a downpour. So I had to hear how he got on there. And then there's a little bit on Christy Dignam, the frontman of Aslan, who passed away last week. And then we do get into the chat talking about the top 50 greatest Irish albums of all time, according to John and the Irish Independent. I suppose I should give you the top 10 on the list, just so you know what you're getting into in the chat that follows. So at number 10, we have Rum, Sodomy and The Lash by The Pogues. Planksty by Planksty is at 9, that was released in 1973. U2, The Unforgettable Fire, at 8, released in 1984. The Undertones debut album, The Undertones, 1979, at number 7. Joshua Tree by U2, 1987, is at number 6. I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got by Sinead O'Connor, released in 1990, is at number 5. At 4 is Heartworm by Whipping Boy from 1995. 3 is Astral Weeks by Van Morrison, released in 1968. 2 is Acton Baby by U2, released in 1991, and another 1991 album is at number one. Can you guess what it is if you haven't already seen the list? It's Loveless by My Bloody Valentine. Did you get it? Did you get it? Do you agree with the top 10? You can find the rest of the top 50 on independent.ie, but here's John Maher on The Point of Everything. Body and Soul on Friday. You got caught in the rain. Did you still have a good time? 
I did, yeah, that was biblical. I took a, a little video and shared it on, on social media and yet the rain absolutely bouncing off the speakers. This was during the Murder Capital show. Um, they played a, a fantastic set, but as James McGovern, the frontman, pointed out, a lot of people seemed to, to go back to the sanctuary of their tents to escape the rain. Um, and at one point, I'd say there were no more than 200 people watching them, which is a real shame because... They're a great Irish band, um, one of the best contemporary bands that we have. And they put on a blistering performance and there just weren't enough people there. And prior to them coming onto the main stage of Body and Soul, you had public service broadcasting, really with loads of people on stage, maybe 10 different musicians, a brass section and audiovisual delights happening to accompany the music. And again, the attendance was quite sparse, but as a festival, it's brilliantly organized there's so much happening so many different things to go to almost uh, a tyranny of choice when it comes to what what to do when you're there yeah uh it was, it was just a, a funny weekend wasn't it with beyond the pale on the same weekend body and soul on uh the same weekend just kind of almost splitting the audience and then like you can do all the preparation you can get like the best festival lineup possible if it starts raining like forget about it you know it's just you hang your head and you're just like oh what are the chances it, it really, I know, because actually on the drive down, once we kind of hit um, the, the Midlands, it felt like this is going to be a really nice day. It's about 21 degrees Celsius, the sun is shining. And in the early few hours of uh, of appearing at Body and Soul, of being down there, I, I thought this is a joy. Irish festival in the middle of summer, the sun <laughs> is splitting the stones. It's so pleasant to have a bit of food to wander from tent to tent. And then suddenly it's like, the downpour to end all downpours like it i needed a significant laundry effort to to make those salvage salvageable again afterwards but um despite that um the murder capital played a blistering set i mean they you know james mcgovern was out pleading with the the rain gods to rain on him he was at the front of the stage there was no stage diving on this occasion though so uh, maybe he just thought you know what I'm not going to risk that, but um, I really enjoyed it. I think it's I think it's one of those really well-run festivals, and there are loads of festivals this summer. There's no shortage of choice, but we are in a a credit crisis, a cost of living crisis, and it must be a tough station for a festival promoter um, to to kind of encourage people to go to their particular festival. Yeah, agreed. Um, just before we get into the uh, the independent list that you compiled of the top 50 greatest Irish albums of all time, if you were compiling the list now, a week after Christy Dignam had died, do you think their 1988 album, Feel No Shame, might make the list? It's that song that everybody knows this is, is on that album. I, I really don't know. There's a possibility in that I suppose people, Aslan, are in people's minds. Nobody voted for that album or for any Aslan album at all. And we had 55 judges. Um, and Aslan were one of many significant Irish acts that got, didn't get a single vote uh, in this. So I, I'm not sure. I think were we to do a song version of this, I think this is would feature prominently. Um I have the utmost respect for Aslan, particularly as a live entity. 
And I think they released a handful of really great singles. But I think their best album is the live album they did in, in Vicar Street in 1999. It kind of captures the band at, at, at their finest. Um, I just don't think that they had enough songs on any of their studio albums to make a list like this. It's it's nice to see everybody talking about Aslan and how great they were. And it does just seem it's it's a what if with them. You know, they, they could have had it all, but they just didn't. And that kind of goes for so many Irish bands, doesn't it? It, it does. And that, that was a point I made on our own Indoor Daily pod- podcast about Christy Dignam was those very words. What if, you know, if the, the, there's no doubt that uh, Christy, Billy McGuinness and the rest had a great deal of talent. But I think had those demons not been there, there could have been some very special music. There really could have been. And and of course, we know in music history, you've had people like Bowie and Iggy Pop who've had all kinds of um, problems with drugs and they've still been able to deliver extraordinary music. And I just think th- there was such promise with Aslan in the middle 80, in the mid 80s. And... It just didn't work out, and 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 that and that's the great regret. And I, I suppose when people think back on them, there are two songs that are constantly played, and there's a reason for that. You know, um, they they those particularly this is um, illustrated what a, a, an excellent songwriter he was, and I just would love to have thought there could have been more songs like that, and there weren't. Let's get into the list. Where did the idea come from? It's a significant undertaking. <laughs> Absolutely. And there were moments during the <laughs> undertaking where I thought we could have done this in a much more, in, a, in an easier fashion. Like I think about 15 years ago, I wrote um, a top 30 list myself for the Indo, just, you know, kind of consulting nobody but myself. And uh, and we just thought myself and the editor of the Irish Independence Review, uh, John Smith, had this idea that, you know, there, there have been lots of lists of Irish albums over the years, but typically it comes from one person or a handful of people. But why not actually ask a lot of people who know their stuff, not just, you know, just regular, just regular punters, but people that have heard a lot of Irish music, a great deal of Irish music, to take on the task of giving us their top ten. Now, in a in a perfect world, I would have asked everybody to submit their top fifty, <laughs> which could have presented all kinds of issues trying to collate that detail because even collating the top ten based on weighted scores was was challenging enough. But I had to be realistic. To think, you know, a lot of because of course nobody would be paid to submit their their, their list. So you have to you have to think what what will people do realistically? A top ten seems reasonable, and there was a very good response, um, you know, from people when we approached them and said, "Look, we'd love we'd love you to submit what you think are the ten best Irish albums ever made." There are some ground rules. One of them, no live albums. Now, people got very annoyed about that because they're thinking, what about Live and Dangerous? And Tin Lizzy's Live and Dangerous appears in so many of these lists for good reason. But what about compilation albums? I mean, a number of people said A Woman's Heart 
kind of surely uh, should be here. And it is a very significant album, but it is a compilation. We also wanted to kind of clearly define that these were Irish albums, but not albums made by people of Irish extractions overseas, because then you can include everything from the Beatles to the Smiths to Echo and the Bunnymen, Kate Bush. The Pogues were and are eligible due to um, Shane McGowan's residency here in Dublin. He has Irish citizenship. He was born in London, as we know, but they're very much part of it. My Bloody Valentine as well, founded in Dublin. Uh, yes, Belinda Butcher's vocals are a key part of it, and she is very much an English lady, but Kevin Shields is the uh, overriding genius behind uh, My Bloody Valentine, and he is very much a Dubliner, so um, they were eligible as well. And I, I asked people in the initial email to sort of try to take on the impossible, which is to be both subjective and objective. So not just to submit their favourite albums, their favourite Irish albums, but the ones that they felt really were special, really were incredibly well done, that, 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 that they loved. And sometimes it's quite different. I mean, my own top 10 list, if I'm going to go with my favourite Irish albums, would probably, is probably quite different to the list I submitted, where I'm kind of thinking, OK, I admire all of these albums, but they're very special because they stand up to scrutiny artistically. As the votes came in, you know, uh, uh, people email, emailed them to us and usually with a, a, a few paragraphs saying, I can't believe how challenging this was. <laughs> I kept changing my mind and I know exactly what they mean because when it came to submitting my own 10, I, I just pined over this for so long. I thought, okay, I'm going to include a Van Morrison album. Veden Fleece was the one that I went for. And I actually thought that album would do much better than it did. And, and then I thought, but why, why don't I put Moondance in there? Why are, why, what about Astro Weeks? Uh, what about, you know, it, all these questions um, I wrestled with, as did everybody else. But um, when, when the list appeared, when, when, the, when, when all the albums appeared then, the, the simple methodology was albums that were, in, they were all in order, of course. Number one albums received 10 votes um, and all the way down to one vote for uh, the album in 10th place. And that was the, the method used to basically to come up with this top 50 in order. I'm just imagining you with an increasingly long Excel spreadsheet in front of you. And like, did it take weeks, months of work just thinking of the judges that you're going to ask, waiting for them to get back to you? It did. I, like it probably there was two months all up between the the conception of the idea and the publication on the June Bank holiday weekend. You know, I I, I was very keen to include musicians, producers, promoters, critics, broadcasters, podcasters. Um, though, though it was a little bit challenging when it came to critics because obviously as a as a newspaper, the Irish Independent, we kind of. There were, there were loads of people I thought they, they would have great views, but they're very much associated with other publications, as you know yourself. And, you know, you just couldn't go there. And and even with, you know, even with musicians, there was a sense that, you know, a number of these people are, would probably feel that their own albums might be eligible <laughs> for, for inclusion in this as well. Um, look, I have to say we went to well over 100 people and about half of them 
were happy to were happy to submit their list. A number of people were were very upfront and said, "Look, it's a great idea. I just I just don't feel that music should be judged this way in terms of what's better than something else." Spoiled sports, a lot of them. <laughs> Others were in uh, public relations, music, PR, and said, "Look, I feel a bit compromised because." Um, I'm, I'm looking at some of the artists, some were musicians who, for the reason I just outlined, kind of thought, you know, I feel a bit compromised here because, you know, I feel that maybe I, I should include my own album and, and I don't want to do that. But I did say to everybody that, you know, if we publish your top 10, we'll ask your permission for it first. So that was quite important because a lot of people felt then they could sort of submit something without having to stand over it when these things are on social media or published in the paper and everybody's going hold on you had such and such at number five how on earth did you think that was you know that kind of thing and i i have to say there was one day where the journalism went out the the window and it was a weird combination of torture and mathematics trying to kind of collate all of these things because there were well over 200 albums that got um, nominated some of them were very close, but then we had we had certain rules about if 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 one album got the same number of points, which of those albums had more voters that would push it slightly ahead of the other, or did any of them, or even if that was still a tie, it's a bit like Champions League stuff where you're kind of <laughs> trying to work out who who should be ahead of the other. Um, and then it's it's like, well, uh, how many of those albums got higher placed votes? And there were some surprises when it came through, but what was really apparent from the, the first batch of votes that came in was the undying love for Loveless that was out there. Like, it was really... Uh, it really took me by surprise. I, I, it was hard. My, my, my guess was that maybe Optum Baby, Astrid Weeks would win this thing. Maybe Joshua Tree. Um, I thought Loveless would do very well, but it became apparent very soon that there was just such love for it. And, and of course, with the selection of judges, like we were very careful to have gender parity and to pick people from all kinds of ages as well. So you've got people that would, you know, their, 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 their coming of age musically would have been in the early 70s to people who were in their very early 20s. So that there's a real mix there. But again, the love for Loveless was coming from all kinds of people. Didn't really matter. It wasn't just kind of, I'm 48. It wasn't, and and what, I was 16 when when Loveless came out. So it wasn't like oh, people like me who were thinking I remember that because it coincided with my leaving or whatever. It it just it's an album that has endured remarkably. But it was it it, it the, 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 there are so many talking points with the list. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I guess like the list, we'll maybe work our way up. We'll we'll wait to talk about uh, Loveless until closer to the end. I'm guessing that when you publish the list initially all the feedback you're getting is, where is this album? Where is that album? Why is yeah. this not on the list? Uh, for you, are there any striking omissions, any big surprises who didn't make the top 50? I mean, you already mentioned Aslan. Yeah, I mean, look, I'll be honest. I, I, I didn't think Aslan were going to make it. Um, but I did, I, 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 in my top 10, David Kitt's Big Romance is there. I've always thought it's one of the best Irish albums ever made. Um, I think he's an extraordinary talent. He got very few votes. He was a very long way from this. Like he might have made a top 100, but that but that's it. And, I'm, and, and that surprised me. Virtually no votes for Bellex One. I would have thought Music and Mouth would have been a real contender for the lower reaches of this. 
Um, I mentioned the Murder Capital and their show at, at Body and Soul on Friday night. They've released two fantastic albums. Uh, nowhere near this. I, was there a single vote for the Murder Capital? I don't think so. Jape have won, has won the, the, the Choice Music Prize twice, the only artist to do that. Not a single nomination. Um, very surprised by that. Surprised by bands like Something Happens. Uh, Stiff Little Fingers weren't there. And and I think I mentioned Veden Fleet from Van Morrison, an album in my top 10. I think I had it number three. Uh, I was very surprised that that album didn't make it because uh, three Van albums did make it. I'm just looking at the print edition here. And actually at number 50, no, no guru, no method, no teacher from Van in 1986 made it, which I think was extremely surprising uh, because I would have thought that there are many better Van albums than that one. But, you know, it was selected by a number of judges and it was high up for some of them. And so it's there on merit. Yeah, I, I, did, I didn't actually write down a question about the Choice Prize winners and their kind of, uh, you know, being on the list or not. But it does seem like there was a lot who didn't make it. The likes of De Laurentos aren't there. Julie yeah. Feeney isn't there. Divine Comedy aren't, aren't there either. It's I, d I don't know why that is. Why, you know, there's maybe critical love for them or at the time, but maybe the albums haven't aged well or they've kind of been forgotten. That's, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question. And it's... <sighs> I suppose a way to invert it in a way is to think of, I would have thought, I thought In Towers and Clouds by The Immediate was a brilliant album. And I was kind of really stunned to see how well it did here. So there's a, an album that wasn't forgotten, but I think a lot of albums do get forgotten. And like we've got, like CMAT won the Choice Prize this year and her album is there at number 44, her debut album. You know, one might say, well, CMAT, a lot of people are talking about her and have been over the past couple of years. An awful lot of people were talking about Gemma Hayes 15 or 20 years ago. She's nowhere near this. Would the same have happened to somebody like CMAT had that album been released then? And, you know, it's... Like, when I look at my own top 10, I might as well list, if you don't mind. Oh, I yeah, list, of course, yeah. I list the, the, the top, my own top 10 from 10 down to 1. Uh, so at 10, David Kidd, The Big Romance... 2001, the most recent album on, on my list, uh, which says speaks volumes, perhaps, even though I'm listening to so much music every week. Ash, Free All Angels, 2001 at number nine. Number eight, My Bloody Valentine with Loveless. Seven, Sinead O'Connor, I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got, 1990. At six, Michael Disney, The Clock Comes Down the Stairs, 1985. Five, Planksty's self-titled album, 1973. Four, U2, The Joshua Tree, 1987. Three, Van Morrison, Veed and Fleece, 1974. At two, I have Whipping Boy with Heartworm. And at number one, U2, An Octum Baby, which some might say demonstrates a complete absence of originality from a music critic. But when I looked at this with objectivity and subjectivity, I thought... It is an extraordinarily good album, and I can't think of an Irish album that's better than it. And so I went for it at number one. Um, but but the point you make about you know so many acclaimed albums over the years being nowhere near this, um, it 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 it's it sometimes can be a sense that people 
forget forget them like with the best will in the world when we're when we're you know i made i made the point in one of the pieces i wrote about this that there have been between 10 and 12,000 irish albums released in since i suppose since records began there's a lot of albums there um every year the choice prize judges are handed a or or emailed a, a, a sort of long list of something like 200 albums you know just for their consideration to jog the memory these are irish albums released this year so i suppose for something like this it tends to be the music that really stays with people you know the albums that really do that but it it it, it is so surprising that you know an, an, an artist like jape who i think is absolutely fantastic isn't here and is nowhere near it yeah, I, I guess just from my own point of view, maybe I'll let my cork bias shine through. There's no Frank and Walters and no Sultans of Ping. Was that a big surprise? I, I Sultans of Ping got nominated twice, I think, and I don't think a single person nominated Frank and Walters, wow. which was a which really was a surprise. And there are several court judges here as well <laughs> uh, in, in this, you know. And and again, for me, they are a very significant band. I think in my own top thirty list. Um, Way back in the day, Frank and Walters were absolutely in there. Sultans of Ping weren't, but yeah, that is a surprise. And 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 look, people on social media let us know very quickly where <laughs> is such and such. I think there was a lot of there was genuine shock about the absence of Divine Comedy, because there have been several brilliant albums there. And look, if I was asked in the morning by my editor, send me your top 50 Irish albums ever made or do this again, but just yourself. I mean, a lot of those albums would be there, but a lot of the one, a lot of the albums that have made this couldn't be there then. Um, and I think that's the thing, you know, people would say, you know, it, it's outrageous that <laughs> and the list of several albums that should be in it. But the, the question to ask them then is absolutely, but what albums do you take out of this to put them in there? and Where do you place them? Exactly. Uh, one last one about omissions. Um, the Irish Times did their list of the best Irish albums of all time in summer 2020. That was just two journalists, Ed Power and yep. Lauren Murphy, and they picked The Talkies by Gilliband as the best Irish album of all time. Mm. That came out four four years ago, um, and it's not on this list. We, like there, there is a Gilliband album. There is. There. Was, that, was that a surprise, or did you think it wasn't going to make it? What did, what did you think of that? I didn't think that album was going to make it. I'm just trying to find um, where um, uh, the Gilla Band or Girl Band, as they were, where they feature in this. Um, yeah, they're at number 32 with Holding Hands with Jamie. I mean, I I have felt, I, I, I really admire that band. I think they're very good. My own sense is that is their best album. Uh, and, I, and I did expect it to be, to be listed. But then I expected lots of albums to appear that didn't. But no, I, there were very few votes for the for the other album. I think there was a lot of surprise with that Irish Times list as well, because uh, even uh, the, the journalists Lauren and Ed made the point that this is an album that's less than a year old when their list came out that has made top spot, and uh, it begs the question about you know can we attribute classic status to a very recent album it's 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 a really tricky thing i i'm of the view that you can't i and perhaps i'm wrong but my sense is that something needs a lot of time before we can kind of say okay this really has stood the test of time um mind you when i first heard okay computer in 1997 <laughs> i thought this was the best albums i ever heard and i still think it's a masterpiece so 
Yeah. Maybe I'm just contradicting myself there. Yeah, there's uh, a couple of recent albums. You already mentioned CMAT, Skinty Fia by Fontaine's DC. And for those I love, the choice winner from two years ago, they're all in the top 50. So they are recent albums that do that do make the list. But going to the top 10, um, it, there's no Irish album from the 21st century in there. Villagers with Becoming a Jackal is the highest one at number 11. Yeah. What, why do you think that is? Is that does that maybe come back to the question that you posed, you know, try and be objective as well as subjective, maybe? Yeah, I, I, I think it did. And I was really struck by the amount of people when submitting their lists that, that email to say, look, I considered a lot of contemporary acts, but then I kind of thought, well, what do I knock out of my top 10 to put them in? And there was that kind of inference that, you know, this, they'll mention a certain album, it's a couple of years old, it's really brilliant, but I will, I, will I feel so strongly about it in five or ten years' time as I do about such and such an album that came out 10 or 20 or 30 years ago where there's still that very strong feeling? And because we'd made such an effort to get that range of ages, it wasn't actually often the case that people in their 20s, for instance, were picking albums that were released this century. In some cases, many of them went way back into history um, for, for, for albums like the Planksty album that, that's here at, at number nine uh, or like Undertone's debut, which is at number seven on this list. I, I think it's probably the biggest talking point of the whole thing is, you know, where are those contemporary... Like, I, I mean, the Villagers album is, is interesting because I think Conor Bryan has released a number of really brilliant albums and Becoming a Jackal seemed to be the one that, that grabbed people most, but the likes of Awayland is excellent as well. And and I know that when we were coming up with that, when, when I was collating the figures, Rome Sodomy and, and The Lash was a little bit ahead of it, but, but Becoming a Jackal could have snuck in there, maybe had the composition of the judges being different. What do, What's your own take on, on, on a top 10 and... and you know, where the contemporary stuff could or should have been. Um, I, I was surprised that there's so many kind of older albums, but I'm guessing that it is maybe people going back to their youth and their association with the albums. I'm guessing a lot of people have fond memories of listening to Astral Weeks for, through their parents, you know, car journeys and stuff. I know that that's probably my relationship with it. I know that there's so much love for Whipping Boy as well and Sinead O'Connor. So they were always going to be there. I think that you've got, you know, I, th I think no matter what list you do, you've probably got at least five that are definites that are in there and then maybe a couple of newer albums that could sneak mm. in there. I think if you give it another few years, I think the album that the band anyway that will crack the top 10 will be Lancome. I think there's so much love out for them. Now there everybody is. is just in awe of their live show and their albums are all 10 out of 10. Yeah, they're, they're spectacular albums and... The Live Long Day is at number 19 here, but there, you know, it, there, were, there were a lot of judges that had that album in their list. And, and I think one judge had it at, number at, at the top, but a lot of judges had it sneaking into their top 10. So it meant that there was a lot of people that voted for it, but maybe if more of them had placed it higher, it would have come right up that chart. Uh, I saw them in Vicar Street a few weeks ago. Uh, again, I've seen them many times, and, and it was a marvellous show. I mean, they're a really brilliant band. But then as people said to me, you know, with the Planksty album there at number nine, that 
Clancy helped completely transform traditional Irish music in a period where there wasn't much love for trad. Uh, this is in the early 1970s. And uh, I've interviewed Rady Pete over the years, and she talks about the importance of bands like Planksty for them as people that have kind of sort of um, opened the doors way back when. But I, 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 I think I, I, I would agree. I think maybe if this is done in five years' time, the likes of Lancome could do exceptionally well. I think the Murder Capital too. But then I, I, I genuinely thought the Murder Capital were going to appear in this. And I'm surprised they didn't. And like you said, you know, for, for one of those albums to get in and maybe crack the top 10, one has to miss out. So what, what are you knocking out? But let's talk about that top 10. Three U2 albums was one of the things that jumped out at me. Unforgettable Fire, Joshua Tree and Octung Baby. You had two of those in your own personal top 10. Like, I'm, I wouldn't be a huge U2 fan. I've, I've actually just finished um, Bono's book, so I've been listening to a lot of U2 recently. And, like, just to m my own ears, I feel like it's quite dated. It certainly seems like, oh, this is very 80s sounding. This is very 90s sounding. Um, what's your own relationship with U2? Yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with them. Um, you know, I, I, I thought the Bono biography was great. I really enjoyed it. But... Uh, I often get tired of the band and uh, and, and and quite jaded, um, you know, because I, you know, in a way, it was that they have been such a colossus and have dominated Irish culture so strongly. But what was interesting when when I was thinking about my top ten, and when lots of people were thinking about the top ten was, you know the merits for excluding you too, I, I found I couldn't do it. And and actually I had a number of people write to me to say, you know, I really don't like you two and kind of can't stand Bono sermonizing. I just don't know. But yet when it came to this, I kind of thought, you know, Octo Baby, God, it's such a great album. The Joshua Tree, it kind of has to be there. Um, there was uh, Unforgettable Fire is a very interesting album because even though there were far more voters for Octon Baby and the Joshua Tree, those that selected the Unforgettable Fire really raved about it and they had it high up their list. Um, and I think even for people that don't like the band, and of course there are a lot of people there, I think the Unforgettable Fire is a very interesting album as a, the first time they worked with Lanois and Eno and there is a very European sensibility to it. Um, I, there were also several judges that did not have U2 at all in their top 10 that pointedly said no. Um, and some of them for reasons you outlined that, you know, these albums are are, are quite dated or whatever. But then I, I suppose I would argue that in, in many cases we can apply the same description to a lot of albums. I'm just looking here. Like the Undertones album, it feels like the work of a band in the late 70s. I still think there's great music. Speaking of Northern Irish acts, another surprise omission for me was Tudor Cinema Club and Tourist History. Um, but but that kind of falls back into what I said to you at the outset, which is if I was coming up with a favourite list of Irish albums, that would absolutely be there. Because I kind of love the kind of pure pop moments on it, of which there are so many. And each song is a belter. But I suppose when I'm thinking objectively, I wouldn't have, in, I couldn't include it in the, in the top 10. 
And I suppose something like the Joshua Tree, where I'm thinking, okay, this feels like an important album. And sometimes it's like an important album with the um, uh, the, the inverted commas. And I suppose that was the task I set every, everybody. It's like, you know, try to step out of yourself a little bit and really think of what, 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 what are significant albums here? And, and, and you know, as I say, Octung Baby, I thought, could top, top this, but it was a long way off, number one, as it turned out, even though it, even though it ended up at number two. Like, if this was Eurovision, the, the TV <laughs> people would have said, you know what, this particular act, this crowd from Sweden have won it, let's just cut to an ad break, because it, it, it Loveless was just in front all the time and it didn't relinquish its position did you think before you started compiling the list that you two would be number one i thought it would be the rockton baby or astral weeks oh okay i i really did partly because astral weeks turns up in so many of the best albums ever made lists like overseas everywhere in in a way that octum baby doesn't i mean it is it is such an important significant album um, and Paul McLuhan, actually, I spoke to him because I spoke to a number of people afterwards for various features about tell me why you love such and such an album. And he talked about um, uh, Astral Weeks as his favorite album. And he said, you know, at the time when he was first started making music, he had, he had little interest in it because it tended to be always topping those lists. And he said, what about contemporary music? And it's just, it doesn't do anything for me. But over the years, its charm just won him over and he says it's the kind of thing that even now umpteen listen late late listens later you're still getting something new from it um and i suppose like if i look at this top 10 here every single one of them like can be listened to countless times and there's still so much to 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 glean from them if if they're approached with with um with open minds in in many respects I, i think they're they're really good albums and coming to the number one, Loveless, which you already said and you write in the blurb in um, the feature that it was the winner by a clear distance. Going back to when you were 16 and listening to this album, like how long did it take before you thought, oh, this is, you know, possibly one of the greatest Irish albums well, of all time? I, Can you I'm remember? Going be, I'm going to be completely honest. I probably didn't hear it until I went to college a few years later. I remember some of the cool lads in my in, in the class were talking about My Bloody Valentine, but you know, like 1991 for for me was the year of Massive Attack and U2 and uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I think Blood Blood Sugar Sex Magic was um, was 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 there. So I it definitely wasn't until I came to Dublin to college that uh, I really started listening to Loveless. Although by that stage in the in 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 the mid 90s, bands like Oasis and Blur and the whole Britpop thing was pulling me away from from Irish music. Um, I, I like if 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 I was to put to, to this my top ten favorite Irish albums, Loveless wouldn't be there on a personal okay. level. It wouldn't be there because, uh, or or the ten Irish albums I've listened to most. Truth be told, it wouldn't be there. But when I do listen to it, I think it is an extraordinarily inventive uh, album. There are amazing songs in it. Um, I think Kevin Shields is a singular genius. I think as people, you know, when we're fascinated by music, we're often drawn to these individuals who have a very um, 
singular determined voice like I would liken him in a way to, to Kate Bush in terms of she absolutely wanted to make music her way and 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 no this it this was the way it was going to be made and I think Loveless was uh, a passion project for him it, it nearly bankrupt creation records um it it took so long to make he plays virtually every instrument on it so he's kind of it's it's Belinda sings in four tracks, but and and it's ethereal singing to a large degree. But this is very much his project, and uh, you know, I I I I think it's, I think it's a, a, an intriguing album, but that also happens to be incredibly influential. The amount of bands I've interviewed over the years who just bring up that album as an influence has I've I've, I'm, I've never ceased to be amazed by it, uh, and it it isn't an album that sold well at the time. You know, it it it, it wasn't a it, it might have been acclaimed from the start and and described as a masterpiece very early on, but it didn't capture a huge audience in the way that many of these other albums in that top 10 did. But it is something that grows and grows. And I know from, you know, I spoke to lots of the judges who selected it as their number one, and they were evangelical about it. And their passion for it is utterly undimmed no matter whether they were 16 when they've heard it on release or whether they're now in their 20s and they first heard it three or four years ago and were completely wowed by it. That love is genuine and it's unshakable. And 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 even in discussions with them, it made me listen to the album with fresh ears and isn't anything the first My Bloody Valentine album, which also appears in this top 50, albeit further down the list. Um, and... I have to say there were some votes for MBV, the third My Bloody Valentine album, which was released in 2013. It's a band that have really uh, affected people. Now, to go back to what I said at the start, you know, when we're selecting the judges and we're really trying to find people that have listened to a lot of Irish music. If if we thrown this list out to the, the, the general populace, I'm not sure where this album would have appeared. I mean, my girlfriend loves music, but you know, a lot of it's hip hop, American kind of contemporary pop, uh, and she said I, I wasn't aware of this band, oh, which okay. maybe both show that I'm not playing it that often in her company. <laughs> um, uh, but but you know, uh, and she would be far from the the only person. You know, I know there were there were a handful of colleagues that were going. That's a that's a surprise. I kind of I'm I'm sort of aware of it, but I wasn't aware that it, it had that much love. And interestingly, Dave Fanning, who we spoke about earlier was on the on the Anton Savage show to talk about this list. And, you know, he made the point that uh, it was a masterpiece. It was, I mean, he's he's somebody who's very associated with you too. But for him, Loveless was the best Irish album ever made. He talked about just the beauty of the sounds. And, uh, and again, his passion would make you go, I need to listen to this album again. And, but, yeah, it's 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 fascinating how how high it it, it it not only not only that it that it that it's at number one, but that there was no competition almost. Um, you know that it that it was always going to be number one when the judges start when when the, when the votes started coming in, and I think roughly half the judges, if memory serves, or a little over half of them, had Loveless somewhere in their top ten, which is 
utterly remarkable. Yeah, very interesting. Let, uh, the final band we'll talk about are the number two on your own personal list, number four in the overall list, um, Heartworm by Whipping Boy. I think a lot of what you said about My Bloody Valentine could be applied to this album. They kind of seem like a kind of a what-if band. You write in the blurb that even the backing of a major label like Columbia couldn't deliver listeners. And yet here yeah. it is in the top five Irish albums of all time. And people love it. Um, why do you think that this one has persisted as well when, I don't know, it, it could have easily fallen away as well by the sounds it of could, it? It could so easily have fallen away. But I, I, I remember speaking to, I think it was Daniel Ryan of Thrills and Brian Brannigan of uh, A Lazarus Soul. And kind of unprompted, they mentioned Heartworm as something that blew their minds. Uh, I was 20 when Heartworm one came out and I'd, I'd seen the band play live a number of times and it was just incendiary stuff and I don't know that it, obviously with some judges you hear music at a time a formative time in your life and it just it, it will never leave so it's always there very deep in my heart but I was really taken with the fact again with people that almost certain judges almost certainly weren't born when this album came out that had it very high for them as well and I think it's just an album of fantastic songs that, for me, doesn't necessarily feel of that time. They kind of still feel very fresh in many ways. I think there's a lot of mystique around this album, like there is with Loveless. I mean, because Fergal McKee, the frontman, has no interest in doing press or publicity, just like Kevin Shields has. I mean, uh, you know, we approached... Kevin's people. He didn't want to do anything, um, you know. And 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 I wrote about Loveless a couple of years ago, a lengthy piece. And you know, I spoke to Paul Page, who's in the band, and who's very. I spoke to five or six other people. Would Fergal speak? No. And and maybe there's an element of, you know, you know, people people judges remember this idea that certain bands are so kind of what's the word? They're so determined to be real and they don't do press that they I don't know they're, they're, they're given a special place in their heart I, ju I just think just hand on heart it is a great album and proof of that in a way is when some when people have asked me over the years so can you recommend an album even if they're Irish or not you know from overseas can you recommend an album that I haven't heard of that you think is really brilliant that I should listen to and Heartworm is often a choice I will go to. I say, give this a go. And like, everybody's come back and say, wow, how was this not a huge release? How was this not a massive album? Um, how come it didn't happen for them? Um, and, and, and again, so much of Irish music, you could, you could say that to. I mean, you could make the point back in the 70s, the Blades were a better band than U2 in the early years. But they didn't have that they didn't have a manager like Paul McGuinness for a start. And I suppose they didn't have that ceaseless determination to, to kind of get their music out there. And, and maybe Whipping Boy fell into similar problems. They didn't play the game, maybe, as, as, as well as some other bands do. And, you know, as you know, and, and we all know, playing the game is, is, is a lot of this in terms of how people can get, get their music out there. I mean, I, I listened to it. Funny, like all these albums, you, 
listened to over the years, you put them on. But with this particular one, when I was writing about it, I thought, okay, I just want to listen to it anew. Like really sit down and listen to it. And kind of at the end of it, I thought, why didn't this happen? Mm. Why why did this not become such a big deal? Um, you know, it is it is such a, it is such a great album. And there were a lot of very ordinary Irish bands from that era, I think, that kind of, you know, were got got considerably more acclaim. And certainly in the the period I suppose in the period after the Joshua Tree, it, it, you know, in my view, very ordinary bands like Cactus World News that were getting far too much publicity based on uh, based on the output. But um, I would even say a band like an Emotional Fish, a decent enough band, but not at the same level at all as Whipping Boy, were getting much more exposure. Um, but it's one of those things you kind of hope that maybe in a list like this that people will go, do you know what, I want to listen to this because it's so high up and that even if you feel that people that have never heard this might now be a, whip, be a whipping boy fan, you kind of feel mission accomplished. Exactly, yeah. No, it's great to see that it does make um, the top five. Finally, you mentioned a potential uh, list of greatest Irish songs. Is, is that next on your, on your list? No, <laughs> is it too much work? <laughs> I would I would love to do something like that, I have to say. I, I, I really would. And I think that I think there would be a lot of enthusiasm for it as well. The I and, and I suppose a lot of the acts that we mentioned that don't make it here um might well appear on something like that. I mean I would imagine bands like something happens and probably an emotional fish that just <laughs> denigrated uh and, and certainly Aslan would be would, would would be in the reckoning and but then would my bloody valentine appear on that list at all oh good question good question <laughs> it would be a very different thing but i suppose what we really wanted to do and i'm so grateful for john smith the editor of of review for devoting 12 pages to this was to just really put time into it and get the the the, the, the views of a huge range of people and 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 come up with something that gets people talking and hopefully gets people listening. Exactly. Well, listen, thanks for chatting through it. Congratulations again on putting it through. I love seeing these lists and I like how um, you can maybe say that it's the definitive list now that maybe Loveless by My Bloody Valentine is definitively the number one <laughs> Irish album of all time. <laughs> we'll have the argument anyway. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and again, like, you know, 10 years down the line, if if this is repeated, you know, will that album top the chart again? Who knows? Maybe there's maybe there are albums to come in the next 10 years that are just mind blowingly good that will be there and will be rubbing various bands off the list. Maybe there, certain bands like you two will kind of fall out of favor. Maybe interest will wane on that front or there might be uh, fight like apes might who appear in this. By the way, might kind of find their stock rising ever more. But that's that's one of the that's one of the great imponderables. And a bit like yourself, I love lists too. And if if only to to disagree. <laughs> with them. Great. Well, I enjoyed the chat this morning. Thanks a lot for doing it. You won't appreciate cool. it.